Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 256, and I had a conversation with Ben Ewing. He's worn many hats in his lifetime in the record producer arena, television arena, advertising arena. He's worked with comedians and writers. And most recently, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so I asked if he would be interested in coming on the show and talking about that experience and, and what his thoughts have been around that diagnosis and what the inevitable means to him. And he was very kind and open and uh, sat down with me, he in Nashville, me here in Los Angeles, and discussed uh, just all things Ben, where he's been and where he's going. And I very much think he embodies that Dylan Thomas, you know, rage against the dying of the light. He certainly has lived a lot of life and he ain't slowing down too much, maybe a little, but he's definitely eking out as much as he can with what he has left. Very admirable and just he's a funny, nice man. And uh, I have not yet met him in real life. We have several mutual friends I'm hoping uh, soon I will get to to give him a hug and say hello in, in the real world, in the 3D world. Uh, interesting stuff for me this week. I went to an acupuncturist and it was so cool. I've only done that one other time in my life. I forgot how amazing it is. Uh, if anybody out there has not done it, uh, I highly recommend it. It's incredible and very relaxing. So I'm just putting that out there. Okay, usual stuff, social media, Hey Human Podcast, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find my personal Instagram and Facebook and Twitter under Susan Ruthism. Go to SusanRuth.com if you want to learn more about me in general and sign up on the mailing list. Uh, Go to HeyHumanPodcast.com. You'll find the links page with information about every episode and my guests and what they're talking about and Uh, what books they're writing or reading or articles and all that kind of stuff. Definitely check that out. Uh, There's also a storefront. You can buy Hey Human merch, help support Hey Human. Another great way to support Hey Human podcast is to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts because, believe you me, it makes a huge difference. So if you have a minute, please go rate and review the show. Uh, You can email me, susan at heyhumanpodcast.com. I answer every email. And uh, thank you. Stay safe, everybody. Uh, Take care of each other. Be kind. And let's get into this. Here we go. Ben Ewing, welcome to Hey Human. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You and I met over the phone, <laughs> but we have many mutual friends, Shannon and Steve. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You've probably, been in Nashville. even more we haven't discovered yet. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And you're in Nashville currently, yes? Yeah. I, I, I actually live in Mount Juliet, okay. which is east of Nashville, about mm-hmm. 30 miles. But you have to, you have to consider... All of, you know how Nashville works. It's like Davidson County's in the middle, and there's this hub, and that's yeah. Nashville. Yeah, or, or what people believe is Nashville. I like Mount Juliet. There's some cool little art galleries in Mount Juliet. Yeah, yeah I, Mount Juliet is growing leaps and bounds, and and, and Lebanon, the county seat, is getting. It's got a good vibe to it. Lots of yeah. art. Yeah. yeah, it's growing. By the way, you have a fantastic mustache. You probably get that all the time. <laughs> well, the mustache has a has a long history of remarks about it, and people that know about it. And one of them is Sam Elliott. It looks like a Sam Elliott mustache. I think you might have a better mustache than Sam Elliott. Well, you know, I, I I've had. I, I've worked with I worked with a songwriter named Billy Joe Shaver. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I am, yes. But him and Robert Duvall are really good friends. Well, they were really good. Billy Joe just passed away about three or four months ago. But they were doing a movie. I can't remember 
what movie it was, but Sam Elliott was in it with Robert Duvall. And uh, I picked up a gig by, by uh, being uh, a stand-in sitting in a chair. So, you know, so I got to meet him, Sam Elliott, nice guy. So the mustache does work. It's trimmed down a pretty good bit now, but it gets out yeah. there. I love that you have on your resume Sam Elliott's mustache stand-in. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's fantastic. All right, got that. Did you grow up in Tennessee? I grew up in Kentucky. I I was born in Muhlenberg County, Kentucky, Greenville. Daddy wants to take me back to Muhlenberg County. John Pride, you know. Uh, I grew up there. And then I went, I lived overseas for about three and a half years. I was in the service. I was in the last draft and I managed to get in the Air Force. So that gives away my age. Did you fight in Vietnam? I was there, but luckily I didn't have to uh, pull the trigger, shoot anybody. I was in the Air Force. And I was in communications. I actually worked uh, in the embassy in what they call the communication switch at that time. So I saw all the all the news, good, bad, and indifferent. Did you have to? I know that there was a disconnect between news and what was going on. There was oh, yeah. a, a sense of trying to protect America from. From the true horrors of Vietnam, how did how was that in the station that you were in, in the being well, a communications person? Well, and you know it still goes on today. This very, of course. it's this very second. So, from the standpoint of back then, mm-hmm. you know, I was nineteen years old. So, my perspective was was already much different. It wasn't exactly like I. I had reached uh, full adult maturity, if you will, uh, in regard to understanding politics and and while we were in the position we were in, now, you know, I know now completely, and and uh, it's pretty amazing how you can use that ideology of protecting the America, the citizens of America blah, 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 from whatever we're protecting ourselves from or, or or we might get a bit too aggressive sometimes with with things that we do. And I think the process, at least from, from my perspective, you know, so much has actually changed since I was there because it was so, so long ago. But at the time, uh, you know, there's a there's a mag there's a, a newspaper they put out every day throughout the military called Stars and Stripes. You ever heard of it? Oh yes, absolutely. And I remember looking at reading a story in Stars and Stripes that was completely untrue. And the reason I knew is I had transmitted the truth twenty four hours before. They had this thing called the Ho Chi Minh Trail. And, you know, yeah, the, the Vietnam War was a, a mess. A mess. As most wars are. <laughs> most wars are a mess. Anyway. How was that coming back from that, given how, unfortunately, the soldiers felt the brunt of America's distaste for the war? They were uh-huh. doing their duty. They were drafted. They some volunteered, uh-huh. of course, but uh-huh. the the fact that America took it out on those who had returned home. Did you experience that? I, I didn't really experience it myself. I had friends that did. I think a lot of that had to do with it was regional, at least from what I remember about it. I uh, I don't think I don't think too many people from the south had to deal with that. I think Northeast, probably out in the West a bit, you know, uh, uh, in, in larger metropolitan areas, I'm sure. 
That makes sense. I I don't, you know, but I personally didn't experience it, but I know it existed. You know, I think, I think a lot of people are totally educated now from the respective, from respect to how did that person, how did I end up there? Well, first of all, I, I was told to go, (laughs) you know, that's, that's kind of how it works. I mean, you know, if you're already in obligated and you're in the service, just like somebody can go and list today. I mean, that, that's really never changed. They still don't Mm -hmm. pay enough money. (laughs) Bad teachers. Isn't that awful? I know honestly, the the back end of, of being in the military is, disturbing at best they say it's a lot of good talk heading in but how they care for people coming out is a whole other story yeah yeah yeah. and you know i hadn't i i I guess i should keep up with it even more than i kept up with it before but you know i don't i have i have other things that are kind of chasing me around Sure. Did you go to college on the GI on the GI Bill? Uh, I did. I did. I actually I went to the University of Maryland in London, England. The University of Maryland has always had a worldwide education system. I think it's called the M. They just recently changed it. Whereas they have campuses in Munich, Tokyo. London, and you can be a part of that, and the military has been tied into that, gosh, since World War II, Korean War. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I went to the University of Maryland, graduated, and never, never put my foot on a campus, never communicated with anybody face-to-face there. And, of course, when I was in the service, I got – I graduated from the University of Maryland in 1976 there in London. And 30 days after I graduated, I was back here discharged. That's just kind of how it worked out. So, Interesting. And I had a very good duty assignment. I was, I was in Vietnam 120 days. That's all they let my particular career group stay. Then they send you off. And, and the typical places that you would show up for your next duty station were London, Istanbul, Munich, where they had big communication centers. And I happened to get London, and I loved every minute of it. Yeah, London's uh, fun. Yeah, I was there for three and a half years. Loved it. London in the 70s. I bet that was extraordinary. Loved it. Especially the music lover, which you are, so unbelievable. I mean, yeah. I, I saw, I saw the majority of people that I've, like the Rod Stewart's and the Rolling Stones, and those people. That's where I first saw them. Uh, like Rod Stewart, the first time that I saw Rod Stewart, he played the marquee, held 150 people, and he was in there playing. He was playing with the faces. So yeah, I could talk to you about. That three and a half years of my life for day. What was the best? What was the best concert you saw while you were in London? Do you remember? Long John Baldry. I don't know. Oh, if I, you don't, I don't. Look him up. Uh, he was he was an influence on Elton John. Lots of people like that. Um, the real great ones. It was something else. Uh, he put out a couple of records over here. But as far as somebody that me personally that just blew my mind, it was him. Uh, I mean, I've seen the Stones in a, in a club with 500 people. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. David Bowie, Nick Ronson. Wow. Yeah. I saw, I saw all of that in smaller theaters uh, and, and larger clubs. There was a club in London called the Roundhouse. That was round. That was the switching center what it, for trains, where you turn, mm-hmm. how you originally turned the trains around. Mm-hmm. Well, they turned that into a club. 
and they called it the Roundhouse, and I, I saw them in there. Unbelievable! Wow, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, so cool. I bet you have a hella cool record collection. Yeah, I I would say I do. I I I got a lot of vinyl. Of course, I always yeah. did it. Um, I've got, gosh, I've probably got a room that's 400 square feet. And it's not, you know, all the stuff's just not stacked up pretty and all that. And I've got two big clip speakers in the corner. That's how I play stuff. I love I'm, that. I'm not, I'm not in my spot. I'd, I'd play for it. Oh, I bet it's something. Oh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. I used to pr produce a lot of records and, and that. So I just, I've always been in love with the music business and, and music. So, you know. I've, Is that what you studied in college or did you study business? No, I, 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 I have a degree in, in business administration. No, didn't. Yeah. I haven't taken one lesson. I play drums. I used to, I, I probably could sit down and play me in. But it'd probably kill me. <laughs> I just—I I probably just couldn't do it. Yeah. So how did you then transition out of college and go into things like because uh, you've been in the film business, the TV business, and the music business? Well, I could kind of—I could kind of give it to you in little, in little, little bites here. When I mm -hmm. got out of when I got out of the service, and I came back to the United States. I took a job with Capricorn Records, which was the Almond Brothers, Bill Walden, and people like that. And I knew some, I knew a couple of people that kind of got me through the door. But enthusiasm is what got me the gig. And I knew a lot about music anyway. I knew how to play it. So that's kind of where I started the music journey. And then... Capricorn started phasing down in about 1979 or 1980. And I was working directly with Phil Walden, who owned Capricorn, uh, as his, I always called myself the ears. He always wanted me to listen to everything everybody was saying. He didn't want me to say anything, but he wanted me to keep up with it. And it, it, was, it was a good plan. And uh, from there, I worked with him for a couple more years. And along the way, I got into the management business myself. And I worked with a, with a comedian you might know, Rodney Dangerfield. I worked with Rodney for three years. I and just interviewed uh, uh, Zoe Bell, who wrote, Alan Zoe Bell, who wrote some of Rodney's very first Oh yeah. Jokes and things. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And basically I did more of the the PR thing, the the show thing, setting up shows and, and going around the country and did that. And during that time I worked with a couple more rock acts. No. Are you familiar with the amazing rhythm aces? Third grade uh -uh. Mm -mm. And look them up. See okay. I'm giving away my age. <laughs> Uh, but so I went from there to an advertising agency because I had done so much buying from a media standpoint, radio, television, print, you name it, I was doing it. And I worked for a company called Saatchi and Saatchi. Yeah, I know Saatchi and Saatchi. I worked with them for probably two, maybe three years. This was in the mid-80s. One of the biggest of all time. Yeah. Then I got literally got into the broadcast business uh, by helping a banker friend of mine out of a mess. And basically, I took over a television station radio group that had three television stations, two radio stations that were Fox affiliates. And I did that for, gosh, 15 years. 
Then I got back in the music business. <laughs> we, so, we sold the properties. So about 2000, I got back in the music business again. In the last 20 years, I have been the head of four different record labels. One being, which is now, which is Plowboy. But I've been with Shannon five years. You know, well, there's an interesting guy. Yeah, he's great. He is yeah. a, a true artist to me. Very right. eclectic and wandering right. and tattooed to high heaven. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a, you know, he's smart, uh, kind, very kind person. Yeah, he uh, is a good guy. He's, uh, sensitive, sensitive, empathic. Uh, I oh, think yeah. that he, yeah, and he also, I appreciate that he he champions music that would might be considered underdog. Oh, which is so great it, it is considered underdog yeah and it's what's so great. <laughs> yeah you know i mean i was i've told people this is i've 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 been fortunate throughout my whole career to work with really good things it, it could be songs it could be artists uh it could be companies uh, and I'm real lucky that basically I'm going to be finishing out whatever I do with the rest of my life with Plowboy. And that's yeah. pretty interesting. And, and uh, you know, and how, how, how can you do those different things? Is Shannon, Shannon's different. And like you said a second ago, he champions stuff, but he really really likes it and so do i i mean i i love the dead boys we got them richard lloyd uh we've got a a band that's a that's what we're calling a baby band now but they won't be they're called the bad signs they're great they live in east nashville and you know that kind of talent is moving around it's not you know well, you know, you know what it takes to be a talent, write hit songs and, and all that. It's not easy, you know, try to keep your head in the game mm -hmm. and uh, not get bored. You know, I, I find a lot of people that I've worked with that are real, that are really talented. Like they got bored and they, and they, they misplaced six months or a year. You know, you ever misplaced time? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> I have too much to do. Uh, watch out there. <laughs> no, I've got way too much to do. I it would be hard for me because I I do so many different things that right. I'm yeah. Uh, I've been noticing so, that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're like a circus. <laughs> yeah. So you know, you're doing all this, the big top and all this stuff's going on. You know. Now, are you are, are you based in in LA? Or, he, or here? I would say both. I'm Nashville oh, and Los oh, Angeles. Oh, so you're splitting it up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not during COVID times, but yeah, I, so I, when I, I can travel freely. I love the weather in Los Angeles. It's been oh. a, a godsend with, to, to, <laughs> with being isolated. At least yeah. there's sunshine, you know, and the ocean. Have you been able to, like, get out much at all? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I just, I went and looked at the ocean just the other day, just sat on a rock and stared at yep. it, which was wonderful. And, there, and, there and was. I, yeah, and there was. I go for walks and yeah, there, I mean, I go to the grocery store, obviously, but I don't have a social life at all. With this pandemic, at least with me personally, is here comes the pandemic. Ben's got cancer. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I, I went, you know, wait a minute. This can't be right. Somebody, uh, I've lost some time somewhere and, you know, misplaced the time. But when I found out that I had cancer, I found out because my shoulder hurt. Mm. And that's, that's what brought me. And that was from, I love to play golf. Uh, and I had been out to Arizona and played a little 
my wife and I love to play together. And uh, so when I got back, I was, my shoulder was bothering me. And I was going, wow, this started to get more uncomfortable. Uh, went to my, you know, my physician uh, and he recommended me over to a specialist. Specialist goes in. This is a shoulder specialist who I know. I actually knew the doctor because this doctor had the misfortune. Now, he's an orthopedic guy of having to call me up on the phone and asking me to come into his office to tell me that he wasn't in charge of the of the battleship. He's you know, he said, obviously, I'm a surgeon and all that. Those are tumors. And you have cancer, in my opinion, and you need to be in Vanderbilt right now. Boom. 48 hours later, I was being operated on. So I was already, I guess the good news is, is, well, the pandemic didn't get me, didn't make me stay in. The cancer did, you know, so... It was had you a of, history of it? Did you have? Have you ever had cancer uh, before? Not no. a bit. Not a bit. Not, not sick one day in my life. I'm one of those people. And, and what kind was, of cancer is it? Uh, liver, and it's in my spine. I have four active tumors on my spine that they're trying to uh, slow down. Obviously, they want to stop, but they want to slow it down. I had a, I had a major surgery. I was out for like fourteen hours because they had to get as much as they could sure. out of my back in the tumor. Uh, but, but the amazing thing about this is, the primary cancer is cancer in the liver, but it has stabilized somewhat in the last four months that it hasn't progressed. Mm. It's there. But my whole my whole physical problems and limitations that I have right now are, are the tumors. And they're the secondary. That's usually what happens is a cancer wants to get out and party in the rest <laughs> of the body. And that's what it's done. So, you know, in this I've got, uh, I forget how much metal and titanium in me now. I have to get, I have to go get a card to fly again because I'll go off. Hasn't happened yet because I haven't traveled. And I'm traveling. I'm getting out of here. When they so, gave you the diagnosis, did they give you a terminal diagnosis or did they say this well, is beatable? Well, I guess the honest answer for that. And, the, and this is on the doctors. In my particular regard, I think at this particular moment, 18 months is what I think they think that I have. Uh, and I think they're about right. Uh, and I'm only, only judging that by how I feel physically, where this is gone. Uh, the medications that I, were, that I was taking, the amount of radiation that I've had, had a lot of radiation, like about 40 treatments. Whoa. Yeah. So, and I've lost 60 pounds and uh, I've gained nine of that back in the last two weeks. Do you have medical marijuana to keep you hungry and things? I, you know, I, 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 I've smoked pot my entire life. Uh, yeah, I smoked that. Unfortunately for me, because I've been a pot smoker so long, I don't have the munchy effect as, as a lots, lots of people do. I have a, my doctors have me taking a, uh, a steroid that causes me to, my appetite to generate more and it's work, but I can't take it. I can probably take it another couple of months and then I have to back off of it. 
But yeah, I tell you, the not the not eating thing and what's happening to me personally from a taste bud standpoint and all that, strange, weird. Uh, like right now, right here, it's totally numb. Your face. Yeah, yeah. right here. Totally. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's a nerve that's setting off from the uh, tumor. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, I've, I'm, I, can, I can get around. I'm kind of on a cane a little bit. Not much. Um, mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm dying. What so, happened when you were given that information? I mean, that's got to be... Uh, well, yeah, I mean, every we're all dying. We know this, but to oh, get yeah, right. that definitive. No, no, I, I told Steve this the other day. Oh, when Steve first found out about it, I said, look, Steve, none of us are getting out of here alive. Mm -mm. We're all gone. Uh, it's just a matter of when it happens. Nobody yeah. knows. I mean, I, I'm sure that the more pain that you have from an injury or a disease, might give you some intuition as when that might be just mm. because of pain. Pain is a funny thing. Uh, but I told him that and whenever the, the guy that I still feel the baddest for is the orthopedic surgeon. Him telling me. Then when I went in, then I, I had about 24 hours before I went to see another, you know, a, an oncologist. Mm. And uh, the first thing that people said when I checked into Vanderbilt was, we, we don't know how you're walking. I went, what? This tumor, evidently it was just huge. And it was affecting uh, my walking mechanicals. But I didn't know it. I wasn't wobbling. But it took me probably a good week to process everything that had just happened because I didn't have, it was like, boom. Mm -hmm. Okay, Ben, got some bad news here. I'm your orthopedic surgeon, but you got cancer. And we need to put you in Vanderbilt if that's where you want to go. I said, of course. I mean, you're not going to get any from a cancer standpoint, any better than those people. That's what they do, uh, their primary thing. And, uh, you know, then, then to process to find out how bad something was, where does this, you know, I spent very little time trying to figure out why, why I have cancer. Doesn't matter. Now, if, it, if I ran up on this two years ago, I might be a little bit better off. But, you know, I'm not, you know, it is what it is. I mean, my wife had to, uh, you know, it's been hard for her because, you know, she's, she's a lawyer, has a law practice. We've both been very busy, active people. But I dealt with it. Uh, I've been one of those people all my life that, that odds are odds. You can go bet in Las Vegas all day long. You're going to lose a bet. So I've, I've spent every bit of the time that I have trying to keep up with people that I haven't. We keep up with each other, but we talk to each other a lot more than we were. Uh, and, uh, and bless their hearts, a lot of people, they're doing that with me. I'm not having to chase them around. Feel sorry for me. <laughs> I'm not having to do that. And, uh, you know, I'm reading a lot. Uh, and I'm watching a lot of film. And, you know, this, the stuff that we do, stuff you do, stuff I do, uh, you know, I find myself that I've got a lot more time to uh, invest in that. But then the big question is, is We've been waiting now for this to clear up for a year, especially the music business. And, you know, promoters are getting killed out there. And musicians and, you know, 
And uh, I don't know. Are you a religious or spiritual man? I'm a spiritual man. I, I don't. I don't like uh, religion. Doesn't really interest me other than the historical parts of it. My thing is always, uh, we, hey, we all got a soul, no doubt about that. And you know, spiritually, I try to be kind, understanding of everybody, which is so hard to do, because uh, I'm sure it's hard to be understanding of me. I mean, I can be a gigantic pain in the ass, uh, you know, very quickly. At least that's what my wife said. But, you know, I, I, uh, I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, and then our, the next place I ended up was a Methodist church. And then the next place that I ended up was at Spiritual Ben's place. I just, you know, I pray. Uh, I, there's been a lot of people praying for me, I know, and that's important. And I felt that. I mean, literally, I can tell uh, when that's going on. But uh, yeah, I'm a believer. I'm just not. A lot of a lot of different religions and types to me I don't understand. I hadn't been able to get my arms around it completely. But I think just like everything else, a whole lot of time spent thinking about money. <laughs> and you know, I think if if you're spiritual and you're kind and you're forgiving, then that means you need to be helpful. That's, so that's where I'm at. There. Have you felt a sense that you've released a lot of burdens then? From oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'm ready. I'm prepared. I'm not, uh, I'm not scared. Of course, I never was scared of death anyway. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm prepared. I've got, I think, whoever I need to make my amends with, whoever that might be, I think I've done it. At least I feel like I have. Uh, and who knows? I might be sitting here talking to you in four years going, would you have thought that I'd still be talking to you four years later and I was talking to you about, you know, religion and da-da-da, you know? Have you thought about what happens when you die? Uh, I haven't given a great deal of thought to it. I think I think the only thing that any of us know is the lights are going out and they're not mm -hmm. coming back on unless they come back on on the other side, whatever the other side is. If there is another side, you know, I tell you, I mentioned Billy Joe Shaver earlier. He knew that guy was about one of the most religious guys I've ever known. Literally. He knew he had it down. There's no doubt in my mind where he ended up. You know, mm -hmm. he's that kind of guy. Are you actively participating in the plan for for your death? I mean, I think a lot of us make wills. We, we sort of offhandedly mention that, you know, oh, I want to be buried or I want to be cremated or I want to be turned well, into a no, rock no. or, you know, all that stuff. Well, we've, we've, uh, we, I said, you know, because my wife is a part of this. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be cremated. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't need to take up any more space than I, <laughs> that I need to. I haven't, haven't made up my mind if where I want those ashes to be or if they're going to be spread. Everything from a financial to all that's already figured out. So I'm not, I'm, I don't have any of that, that kind of stress. And I see that kind of stress on people's faces when I'm at Vanderbilt. And they're, they're in there for the same thing I am. And, and they're, 
I can tell, don't walk up to them and ask them, hey, are you stressed out now that you're going to die? <laughs> I just, uh, I, just, I can see it on their face. Or when you're, when you're talking to somebody, just for a mm-hmm. second, time's mm-hmm. right. Of course, it's been difficult with the pandemic. You're, you're shouting six feet over. How are you feeling today? Feel like you're ready to go? If you go, if you die. <laughs> what have you learned about yourself that you maybe didn't know in the in that news? I think that it would create some sort of an epiphany in some situations. But you oh, you yeah, sound I mean, pretty grounded. But. Well, you know, I think, and I think I'm, I think I'm probably discovering or learning more about this daily is. I know I'm going to die. I have kind of an idea when. I'm not scared. I've got a family that loves me, and it's it's going to hurt them so badly. And it's it's so, you know, that's what that's what I shed tears about. I've got four grandchildren. One, the oldest is 18, and then I've, then there's an eight, a seven, and a four. And I've got four children. Of course, they're all grown up now. You know, you got any, are you married? No. You got, okay. All right. That's no. cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, love can be a pain to butt. Really can. Remember mm. that. Write that down. I would- I will write that down. <laughs> write that down. Uh, but, you know, I guess whenever I get in those thoughts about that, I guess that's what I'm thinking about more than anything else. I'm thinking about them. I know they're thinking about me. Uh, and as far as I'm lucky in the sense that everything that can be figured out right now is figured out. I'm going to be cremated. I already know the music. Uh, it's going to be played. I've already had three people I know that are going to play at my. It's not. It's not a funeral. It's going to be a. What do they call that? A celebration of life. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty good. <laughs> Everybody knows who they are. It's going to be a big yeah. surprise. I hope you come. I, I mean, I would be honored. Team. Hey, yeah, be sure and RSVP my funeral. <laughs> I would be, I would be honored to be there. Uh, do you, is, do you have a plan of anything that you maybe always said I'm going to do blah and you never did, and now you've got 18 months to to go and do go somewhere or do something? Fortunately, I've just about done everything. Oh, that is good. I, I could want to do. Uh, I've had a lot of things that I've done I didn't want to do. Uh, no, I, I can't. You know, there might be one down in there somewhere, but I hadn't found it yet. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, the thing is, is being in the entertainment business, uh, it takes a lot of that stuff off the table, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, it's just like, okay, well, well, you find somebody and you say, okay, what can I do at, if there's anything at all that you'd like to do, blah, blah, blah. Who would you like to meet? Well, I can honestly say there, there's not one single mu- musician or singer that I want to meet that I hadn't already met. You know? Uh, so that's kind of off the table for us, isn't it? Yeah. I'm sure, you know, there's authors. I see you read many books. I love books, yeah. <laughs> How to take you see that way? Oh yeah, there you go. I'm, I am. There's there's a basketball goal. Oh yeah, see that. Yeah, I just, <laughs> my office got got turned into a romper room uh, <laughs> with the with the pandemic. Oh, we, yeah. speaking of the pandemic and being isolated, that I was also real lucky that that I managed to see my grandchildren. We mm-hmm. kept it that tight, that tight, that right. Nobody got sick. Uh, Have you been inoculated, the vaccine, now? 
I, I get my first shot. What's today? Tuesday? That's what they tell me. <laughs> next, not not tomorrow, but the Wednesday after next. Okay, great. I have, to, I have to go in and be isolated. So that's mm -hmm. the other thing about this. It's, mm -hmm. you, know, you don't get out much anyway, but sure. this kind of kind of puts a another umbrella's worth on it, you know, to go mm -hmm. get out. I haven't I haven't been to I haven't been to a grocery store in a year. Wow. You're not uh, missing what? anything. <laughs> I know. You know, and, and luckily, you know, every you get everything delivered now. Yeah, for sure. So. I'm curious, has uh, if you're an active dreamer, have your dreams changed at all while when you're sleeping? Have changed it all since when? Since you've been diagnosed, have the dreams changed at all? When I sleep, mm -hmm. I literally sleep with my dreams changed. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that's that's wild that you answered that. Yeah, I asked that question. Yeah, they have. They uh, some of them are like a Kurt Vonnegut movie. <laughs> And some of them are, they're historical, but historical in regard to me or someone in my family or a group. And it's real, real detail. It's almost, you know, a dream's a dream. I figure, how long, how long are the igniters on a dream? 10 seconds? 15? I mean, I don't know. I've had some people try to tell me, but it seems like my dreams are longer and they're more precise down to, you know, it's almost like there's been a movie directed here, you know? Mm -hmm. that's, 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 yeah. You're the first person to ever asked me that. I've had a whole lot of questions about it. You know, just in general, you know, people wanting to know what's going on. How are your little grand uh, grandchildren? How are they accepting of it? Death to explain to a four-year-old is a lot different than an eighteen-year-old who has an entire life ahead of them. Well, where's that? Well, I mean, not that four-year-old does too, but the concept of death, you know. The eighteen-year-old definitely knows that I'm going to pass away. The eight and the seven and the four, they know I'm sick. Now, the eight and the seven, probably, no, I'm sicker than that, that I think they think that, that I think they know. The little four-year-old, she's, she's a little princess. She's the, the only, only girl in the grave. Oh, lucky, lucky. <laughs> she's the baby. So, yeah. That's so, my, that was me. <laughs> there you go. See, hold that ground. There it is. You know, hold your ground. It's the best place to be. Because well, I've got her spoiled to anything she wants to get. So. Are you, are you writing any letters or legacies for them to, you know, life, life yeah. lessons that grandpa imparts? Yeah, I've kind of, you know, I've kind of noodled that around for a while. I've also had, I don't know if I'm going to, I guess for lack of a better word, a memoir that goes way back that probably first entry, 77, 78, from paper to typewriter to whatever that, what was that go between between laptops? I can't remember. I got I've got so much, you know, computerized junk that you'll never use. Why do I keep it? I don't know. I guess it's because I'm one of those old dudes, you know. So it's got to stay over here, so somebody else can throw it away eventually for me. Sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but. I'm going back and thinking about the dreams. Like I said about the Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. you know who he is, right? Absolutely. One of my favorites. I, I tell you. I've had a couple that were like pretty intense. The color, the all that. You know, mm -hmm. I haven't had one wake me up yet. But, uh, you know, interesting fellow. Most definitely. What else do you read? Oh, you, gosh. I, I read write, everything. Write, you write, 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 write. Yes. You still writing a lot of songs? I, I write my fair share. Yeah. But, uh, and now I'm doing the screenwriting. I just sold my first screenplay. And yeah. uh, I am doing sketch comedy writing as well. I have yeah. a partner in How's that. that? And it's like great. That? Loving yeah. it. We are, we're developing a show that is really funny and yeah. and woven together. I'm, I'm excited about it. At least I think it's really funny. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Well, you all have some good ideas. Thanks. That's just so Jessica and I, that's the, that's a difference. So my screen, I mean, sorry, my sketch writing partner, Tiffany, we're oh. writing this other thing. And then Jessica and I have ideas together. That's the person I've, you I've know been, of. Yeah. I've been, I've kind of kind of sorted it out yeah. that, that, you know, it's good to have a lot going on. I think so. Life is uh, short, can, as you can attest. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like the more irons that you got in the fire, the more likely you're going to get burnt. I'm into getting burnt if it's successful. A successful burn, you know what a slow burn is? Ten years series 500 episodes all residual money man that'd be pretty good would it would not suck, <laughs> suck at all. Yeah. so one thing i've always I, i'm curious about like i think if i were to die tomorrow and you know for for whatever reason uh -huh. i know and i asked this question on facebook the other day do you have secrets and everyone, I think maybe save two said yes. And, yeah. and do you, do you have secrets that you will keep through to the grave as it were? Or do you feel like at this point, what's the point of that? The couple that I've got have to do with television. I mean, there's a lot of other secrets. I mean, I got, it's funny, my children, they think they think they got secrets from me. I think that's <laughs> a, there's, there's no way. I'm just you know I, I know I know know more things that they think I don't know about. <laughs> As you go into treatments and do all this stuff, I personally believe that it's possible for people to communicate from the great beyond. So to have you just in case, do you and your wife have any kind of all right, say well, that, you know, come see hi or any of that kind of stuff. Well, I think I think we're we're probably at that stage. If there's a way that we can we can figure out, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll try. We'll yeah, give it a shot. you know, I mean, I, my dad and I have conversations like that. I I he's I said to him like, okay, let's let's figure out a word or or a thing that only you and I know. Right. And and that'll be our thing, you know. Yeah, there you go. Well, Ben, this has been such an interesting and and great conversation. I really appreciate your time, and well, I am I appreciate your time. I'm acutely aware how how precious time is, especially oh, for yeah. you. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully we can do some other things too. I yeah. can help you guys. Uh, I'm, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I know, appreciate I, that. I just I haven't had a chance to to uh, talk to Steve or Shannon about it. Because uh, my treatments now are, as they say, well, I can't radiate you anymore. You're already gone. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go down that chemical highway mm -hmm. that a lot of people the chemo, know. The chemotherapy? Yeah. After I was operated on, then... The next thing was to figure a plan of action of how do we beat this down? How do we yes. get rid of this? Which, you know, I found and discovered that doctors and hospitals, 
they have a hard time with that. They can't, you know, they're they're in funny positions, but I really don't think that at least you would think that they would have more data with liver cancer and how it spreads than they do, uh, but they don't. And it's kind of like it's not a priority cancer. I don't know why. I know that sounds weird, but I've had both my oncologists tell me that. And, I, you know, I just say, why do you think everybody's got liver cancer because they drink, they drink a fifth of whiskey a day? What, what we, what's the deal here? I was given, and I participated in, a drug called a fastin, which is a straight, stone-cold cell killer. Every cell that gets in front of it eats it. That mixed with an immunodrug that protects the immune system as much as it can from this, you know, imagine somebody's going through a forest and they're cutting down trees and you've got somebody running right in behind them planting saplings. Yeah. You know, doesn't not going to do me any good, but maybe fifty years from now that tree will be standing up that was cut mm -hmm. down to build somebody's house. But mm -hmm. I did that tr treatment for three months, mm -hmm. and it made things worse. Mm -hmm. And and you know, I mean, that's just a chance that you take. And the and they they brought another medicine drug that they wanted me to look at taking, and so I'm a I'm a data guy too. I I, I believe in numbers. Yeah. If you look at if you have if you have numbers that are legit from wherever you're trying to to discover from or generate whatever it is you're trying to do from that's important and when I sat down with them and I said okay one to ten percentage wise what is it give me give me all the information that you can find or any of the data places that I can go and discover, retrieve, find out, calculate to tell me what the odds are based upon the data that, that's in hand. Well, this was uh, about 20%. I'm going, okay, I just went through 60-pound weight loss, un being uncomfortable because I was going to tell you, I feel better right now than I did a month ago. A month ago, I was coming off this medicine and I got real weak. I'm having to rebuild my muscle. It's just gone. Mm. And, yeah. Uh, well, I cancer treatment takes people within, and that's the irony of cancer treatment. They have to nearly kill you in order to, to save you. Right. Absolutely. And, and so, and, and the, the doctors that I have, which, which are oncologists, uh, you know, they totally get it. They, they know. Mm -hmm. Plus, they knew that I was walking in there, and they, they figured out that, just tell me. You know, if, if they would have come up with, with something that was more in the 50% range, probably would have got my attention a little bit more. But... To feel the way I did on the last drug, I, don't know, I just wasn't ready to like go there. And so, like, yeah. I come off that, I feel better. I don't really don't really know what that means. I just know that I feel better. Well, a quality of life when you have such little time left is is important. Yeah, and I, you know, and luckily for me and these oncologists that I have, they understand that. Things could be a lot worse. Sure. And I see people when I go into the hospital, 
I see people that things are worse. Well, are you scared about what's coming? Because you will progress. Things will get worse for you. Does that does that freak you out? More than likely, what's going to happen with me, what's going to make the end and prior to is I will probably, if the tumors, if we don't get them stabilized, meaning they're not growing any more than they are right now, then as long as the tumors continue to grow, it's going to affect my spine and it will eventually paralyze me in different places. Leg, arm, uh, back. And at that point in time, uh, pain is really in set. It's really in. Uh, and, you know, it'll probably, it'll be a hospice thing. Sure. <laughs> You know, uh, I was trying to think of a guy, and this is awful, I can't remember his name. Hell of a songwriter, was in a duo, Irish, Irish name, Jamie O'Hare. Do you know Jamie? Jamie, hell of a songwriter, hell of an artist. He died six weeks ago. He was 70. Exact same thing that I have. And okay. put him in hospice and you know, put him on the the drip. He could mm -hmm. take care of what he was doing. And you know, you pass away in your sleep. So yeah. that's where I'm th that that's how I'm thinking I'm gonna go when the time comes. Do you I mean, do you think about that too when it gets to be an unbearable kind of of situation or maybe even just exhausting? The idea that, you know, there is the right to die in a few different uh, states where my uncle was passing of cancer. Uh -huh. Certainly the the people, the hospice people said, you know, there are options that basically they were sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge with yeah, the yeah. morphine kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't they couldn't quite say it out loud, obviously. Yeah. But, 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 yeah. but it can be done. It can yeah. Be done. Uh, not, not to name names or or medical facilities, but I've been told the same thing. Yeah. So it's it's, I mean, I feel like that's merciful to have a dominion over one's body in the face of a cruel act of betrayal, really, mm -hmm. is, is something, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah I, you know, it, it's... A last stand, if you will. Yeah, I, I, well, you know, I think if there's, if there's a right... That any a right that anybody should have over themselves, it's that. Especially when it comes to, you know, look, I'm a, uh, what, what, what is it? Uh, oh, I have, you know, when you walk up to somebody and, and they go, so you've got stage four liver cancer, right? Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm still trying to figure out what four stages are. And this is the first question that you know, it's kind of thrown at me by you know, their friends. Some people just don't know. They don't know how to take it. One of my best friends, bless his heart, he's, you know, shit, he's 70, 70, 71 years old. He, he can't even get on the phone and talk to me sometimes. Just start yeah. crying. Yeah. And he's, he's, kind, he's a big-hearted guy. Uh, but I have to tell him, you know, Tommy, stop it. You're not saying helping, man. No. Okay, well. Uh, I'll yeah. make fun of him. Yeah. <laughs> the hell, I can make fun of him. I, I, I death, yeah, death is hard for people. And the, uh, my friend Tim Johnson, who passed away of cancer a handful of years ago now, he wrote a song that uh, called God Only Cries for the Living. Oh, wow. Good title. Great title, yeah. And and the, as the thing is, the people that are left behind are that have to grapple with the understanding of what it all means, and face their own more mortality within it. Face right. the loss of of physical touch and conversation and all those things, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, my wife and I, we love each other very much, and we by what you just said. 
we've made, you know, we've made sure that one thing that's in the mix is, you know, we're, we're, we're the same as we always were, affectionate to each other. We're touchy-feely people. We like to hug each other because we love each other. And, uh, you know, that's important and it, and it helps. Yeah. You don't, you know, one thing that I know I, I've seen from other people I've known that have this, a couple of people that have done it, is the last thing you can do is shut yourself away. Start doing that. I mean, that's when you start making other people's lives miserable. And it really, I, I wouldn't wish this on anybody, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be in the position they're in, worrying about me. Right. You know? Yeah. And as you say, when it gets to family and all that, hell, it's impossible not to, not to worry or feel that way. Sure. Ben, I really look forward to meeting you in real life. Come to come to Nashville. Get your serum. Ben, thank you so much for your time okay. and for for being so you know for being honest and open about this space that you're in because uh, you know it's it's really lovely that you are willing to share it. Well, I'm glad you listen. You're a good listener. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you. Okay. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Bye. See you. Bye bye. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye.